When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal Agenda series. I'm joined this morning by Umar. How are you doing, mate? You good, you well? Yeah, I'm good, TC. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not not too bad. Uh, again, I managed to suck up some of the sunshine yesterday um, after work. I went out for a run, uh, which is needed. I'm needing to get fit at the moment because uh, I'm going to have to play a couple of games of football next week. And uh, if I'm, I can't be running out there you know, blowing. I'm going to be blowing anyway, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, two two games on two Premier League pitches next week is not going to be, um, it's not going to be good, let's say, if I'm uh, struggling significantly. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Are you still playing footy these days? You managed to get out on the pitches at all? You know what? I want to get back into it. Um, like my stamina right now is awful. Horrendous. <laughs> I think you're talking about your stamina. I think, like, if you saw mine these days, it's a joke. But, yeah, I want to get back into it. But it's just, like, finding the time. And it's it's laziness as well, I think, from, from myself. Like, when you finish work, you just want to chill, etc. But now hopefully with the weather getting back to um, better levels, hopefully I will step back onto the pitch. But, yeah, I'm just imagining getting Bailey back on the pitch, everyone. <laughs> It'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that man could not hear a, a barn door with a banjo, or whatever the, the phrase is, you know. Um, yeah, he, honestly, I've never seen someone with a lower XG, that, you know, that, well, actually a higher XG that's not matched his, uh, his conversion rate. You all saw the highlights, you know. He's, he's missed some big chances, that man. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, I won't talk too long about someone who can't defend himself. But, uh, yeah, in terms of Arsenal, uh, continual transfer discussion, rumours are, you know, the, the topic and, and will continue to be as the season comes to a close and we look ahead to the new season and the transfer window opening uh, in a month or so's time. Um, but there is some discussions to be had. First on Mason Mount, Manchester United look to be his primary uh, focus. Uh, Arsenal are said to have an interest. David Ornstein, they're reporting in The Athletic that Man United seem to be the team he's leaning towards. Are you happy about that or are you keen on the player? The price, the price is too much. <laughs> and we discussed it yesterday in terms of how much Chelsea want for Mason Mount. Okay, I'd understand if Mason Mount had three years or four years left on his contract and they were asking for upwards of £85 million. I'd say, okay, I hold my hands up and say that's a fair price. It could be still um, inflated to many, but I would understand it. But the fact that he's got one year left on his contract and Todd Bowley and Chelsea are looking for up to 85 million to allow him to depart, 
I think it's a joke. I think it's ridiculous. I, th- I think Chelsea may believe that other teams may make the same mistakes that they have done in the transfer market. So they're doing something clever in terms of that. But no, I think Mason Mount, he, he's a good player. I think he's not had the best of times in, in recent seasons. Um, he struggled this season, especially for form. Um, but maybe someone like Mikel Arteta could improve him um, in that left-sided uh, position in midfield. Um, I go back to last season. I think it was last season. I think he had his best season for Chelsea um, last season. I think it was in terms of goal contributions, assists, etc. He's someone that can score goals, uh, someone who has got that output in, from midfield, uh, dead, ball, dead ball specialist as well. Um, very good in terms of that. But the price, he's nowhere near £85 million. Pounds. I'd probably argue he's nowhere near £65 million, pounds, if we're being serious. So, again, I know we'll have money to spend um, this summer, but Arsenal have... The reason why they've been so successful in the transfer market in in, in the past few seasons is because they're not, they've not overspent on players. Um, you go back to Mudrik, um, obviously they had their price that they wanted to go up, upwards of, um, and then obviously with Chelsea continually trying to increase that, Arsenal thought to themselves, "Listen, th- this is just this just doesn't make sense from a financial point of view." And that's fair enough. And I think it's similar with Mason Mount. But the fact that he prefers Manchester United as well, obviously he has a say in things as well. So if if Mason Mount wants to um, go to Manchester United, if he wants to stay at Chelsea, that's his decision. But they are still better players in and around Europe that we can target for probably less of a price of Mason Mount. Yeah, there are. Uh, there are other options that Arsenal can target. You know, I wouldn't have gone above 50 million personally. Yeah. You know, I would have been close to 40 million. You know, if Man United end up paying a huge amount, you know, suggestions. Football London understands that, you know, 70 million apparently is the asking price for Mount. So that's what they're going to be looking around that kind of figure which is a huge amount of money for a player that, you know, this season amongst most of the Chelsea squad have had a pretty tame campaign. Um, I just I just can't see the, the reasoning behind why he would be worth that amount of money. And you know, I like the player. I'd be open to see him in an Arsenal shirt, but nowhere near that kind of, you know, nowhere near that kind of money uh, at all. So, yeah, uh, Mason Mount to Manchester United is potentially a transfer that we might see happen, but not seemingly to Arsenal. Um, in terms of other players, sticking with the Premier League, links to Ruben Neves. I know he's a player that we've discussed on the channel numerous times in in recent summers. Uh, not going away, this link, with Arsenal's links to other midfielders. Do you see him kind of as an further down kind of the list of alternatives if Arsenal aren't able to get Rice and Caicedo effectively. Yeah, I think he he is an alternative. I think we have had uh, previous links with Ruben Neves, but it seems right now his heart is set on Barcelona. Um, I saw his interview, I think it was um, the Bulls' previous game. He basically indirectly came out and said that um, if this is his final home game for Wolves or whatever, um, he'll have a good, he'll, he'll have had a good career at Wolves, but it seems that he wants to go to Barcelona. It seems that personal terms have been agreed with Barcelona, but it seems that Xavi is still thinking whether he is the right signing. So in terms of our midfield uh, targets, the priority is still for me, Declan Rice, um, Caicedo, they are the number one targets. And the thing the thing I, I think about in terms of both these deals, I think we'll get Declan Rice over the line. I know Bayern Munich have been linked in recent days, but I, I can't see Bayern Munich spending that much money. Like, 
someone may correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't I don't remember the last time Bayern Munich spent that much money on a player, like a lot of money, financial point of view. Bayern Munich really really do that, and I don't think they would. I know Tuchel um, is a big fan, and I'm thankful in hindsight that Tuchel left Chelsea. In all seriousness, because if he was still at Chelsea, and it, it probably would have meant that he would have gone for Declan Rice, and Chelsea could have probably got him over the line in a way because he's a big, big fan. Um, in terms of Moises Caicedo, Roberto De Zerbi, in the back of my mind, I think there's a gentleman's agreement there with Caicedo and McAllister. Obviously, um, Roberto De Zerbi keeps coming out and saying players have one career. Um, they have one chance. These players can play at a higher level. If it's down to me, I'd let them go happily, etc. Obviously, Tony Bloom may have different ideas, but I think this summer... I think they could allow both McAllister and Caicedo to depart the club. I think January was always tough. We had a, a price that we wanted to um, offer Brighton, but I don't think Brighton were ever going to sell because, they, again, they were going for European football. They won't course for it, and they've achieved their target. They've achieved their goal. So in hindsight, them rejecting that deal for Caicedo has basically made sense for them from a, from a club point of view. But yeah, I think if if we can get Caicedo and Declan Rice on board, two top signings, two players which I think are very attainable right now this summer. Um, I know a lot of people still say this Chelsea involved, uh, Manchester United involved. But I look at it, we, we, we're the only ones who can offer Champions League football in terms of from a London representative. We're the only one in the Champions League. Caicedo wants to play in the Champions League. It seems that he's a big Arsenal fan. He keeps speaking highly of them. And Declan Rice. Sorry about injuring Martin, exactly, Martinelli. Martinelli. <laughs> and in terms of Declan Rice, prior a few seasons ago, they probably said he was a cert to go to Chelsea. Mm, but it shows damn. how far Arsenal have come. And that's a testament to Mikel Arteta, what he's done, uh, Edu, etc. It shows that we're on the up and Chelsea on the downslide. So you got to give credit where it's due. So, yeah, if we can get those two players in, I'll be over the moon because I think the two top top signings and it will bridge that gap to Manchester City. Yeah, um, it's it's so imperative that Arsenal bring in the right players this summer, and we're going to continue to use this messaging on the channel throughout the course of the rest of the window because for Arsenal to close that gap next season to Man City, it's going to require not just replacing you know players like your Holdings of this world, um, Lacongas, Tavares potentially Tierney, you know, it's going to require us to strengthen what we have. And, you know, we've seen links to Thomas Partey potentially leaving uh, two Italian teams according to the Mirror interested. I wrote a piece about this the one out this morning, like replacing Xhaka and, and Partey with Rice and Caicedo sounds great. It sounds like, you, you know, you're lowering the age profile, you're bringing in two brilliant players for the future. But the reality is that that's not enough then if you move on Xhaka and Partey. And, and people saying, you know, they can't see Arsenal bringing in Rice and, and Caicedo anyway, you know, let alone having to add another top quality player. So keep the one, you know, keep one of your key midfielders, you know, and then move from there. It's so frustrating that Arsenal might end up seeing, you know, several members of their squad. I think there was a quote from Arteta saying about it, it's time reset. to reset, sort of, yeah. which I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, I, I, it depends what he means. It's a really broad, vague yeah. term. He could basically mean, you know, reset and go again for next yeah. season. He could mean yeah. a whole new rebuild. But, you know, all this talk of phase three, four, and, you know, we haven't reached phase five yet of this plan. To then say that 
between four and five is another reset. I don't really get that. And I think the fans after this season of finishing second will look at words like we need another reset and go, hold on. We've progressed and progressed and progressed. We're going towards potentially getting close to a title as we can. And now we want to reset. And it's like, no, you want to build on this. You don't want to build on this success. You don't want to reset. Yes, building on that sometimes means taking away some bad bricks from the building and replacing them with good ones. But it also means building on what you've already, you know, constructed. So it's, did you, did you get a bit strangely vibed out, I suppose, by those words from Arteta? Yeah, when it comes to Arteta and interviews and press conferences, mm. he's one of the most uh, vague managers, like in terms of yeah. putting, putting words across. So I can never understand what he truly means, but I'm hoping it basically means resetting and going again. They were close this season in terms of pushing Manchester City for this Premier League title. Obviously, they came up short in the final stages of the season. He realises that there's still, um, there's still improvements that need to be made within this team. And he'll make that this summer, hopefully. But what I want from this Arsenal team, the hierarchy, Edu, etc., I want them to give Mikel Arteta his priority targets, his number one targets. In past windows, at times, you could probably say he's not got that. And that's fair enough because obviously there were links to the likes of Alessandro Martinez, Dusan Blahovic, etc. He, he had number one targets that were being um, quoted in the media. Obviously, the backups are, are very good. So, again, great on Edu Arteta to find solutions in the transfer market, which is always um, needed. But this summer, if Mikel Arteta wants Declan Rice, do everything in your power to bring him Declan Rice. If he wants Caicedo, do everything in your power to bring in Caicedo. There's no point offering West Ham 60 million and then just saying, okay, that's 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 what we're going to go upwards of. We're not going to go any higher. Then you're going to look, look to find backup options, which in a few years' time, we're going to probably get rid of because they're not they're, they're not what Mikel Arteta wants. Bring him, bring, him, bring him in his priority targets and we go again. And it seems the priority targets are Declan Rice potentially Gundogan, whoever, Caicedo, etc. If we can get the priority targets in, I think we'll, we'll push Manchester City close again. But this summer, I want to see Arsenal spend, but also spend sensibly, but also in terms of the outgoings as well. I, I want them to like get the most out of the players that could be set to depart the club. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I really hope that... We, we make the right choices and that we make a smart decisions in the market and then we're not looking back at the end of the summer and going, oh, if only we'd done this or I regret not doing this or, you know, so-and-so managed to get this player in and we, we maybe didn't maximise the window because if it, there's been any transfer window that Arsenal have to get right, it's this one. Absolutely I'll, have to get right. I wanted to ask you something. Like, mm. Obviously, we've been linked with Caicedo and Declan mm. Rice and a lot of Arsenal fans, including myself, I would love to sign them. But then there's mm. a there's a basically argument that when you look at Arsenal's midfields, if they were to come in, Declan Rice, Caicedo, Martin Odegaard, mm. yeah, it is balanced, but is it creative enough in terms of yeah. scoring goals? Mm. That's why maybe you look at Declan Rice, that could be the priority. And it, it shows why Mikel Arteta has been linked with the likes of Mason Mount, Kudus, um, Gundogan. Because you look at Manchester City's midfield, they have Rodri in there, they have Gundogan, and they have Kevin De Bruyne. It's balanced, but it's not too defensive in a way. Like, where, where, where do you stand on that? Because I think it's an interesting point. 
it's a really interesting point. And I think that that's probably one of the reasons why Arsenal want to sign a creative midfielder as well, you know, this summer. And that's why we've seen the links to, to Mason Mount. It's mm. I'm looking this season. You know, Caicedo's got one goal, one assist in the Premier League uh, after playing 36 games. He's missed one game all season. Mm. Declan Rice has also played 36 games. He's got four goals, two assists, which is not bad. You know, it's 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 okay. But, I mean, how many goals did Xhaka get this season? Yeah. Um, in the, we're looking Assisted at five goal. or six goals. And then how many assists did he get this season playing in that left eight? So in 36 games, he's got five goals, seven assists. You know, so you're looking at basically he has nearly doubled the goal contributions of Rice and Caicedo combined this season for Arsenal. Yes, playing for Arsenal, there's that factor to factor in, sure. But I don't think that makes all that much of a difference when you consider the fact that you look at, say, James Madison playing in a number eight position for Leicester, scoring plenty of goals. Um, when you look at, you know, some of the other players further down the table in teams that haven't necessarily been doing so well, the goals they score from midfield. I don't think that you can point the finger and say, well, if they were playing in the Arsenal team, they'd score more, they'd assist more because, you know, it's yeah. taken this season for Xhaka's got, you know, numbers to increase to the level that they are. And I think it's a really important point is that if you're taking Xhaka out and you're bringing in uh, Rice and Caicedo, oh. you're effectively saying, I'm, you know, I want to decrease the number of goals we're conceding, which is fine. Oh. But to do so, I'm probably going to sacrifice some of the goals from midfield because oh. you're just not going to score as many um, from those individuals. But maybe you have greater progression. Maybe yeah. you have better turnover, which then gives your forward players more opportunities to score more goals themselves, you know. But it is a really, really good question mm. to, to put forward. Uh, and I'd be keen what people think about that. Let us know in the comments. Uh, Penny Wynn says, is Emil Smith-Rowe actually leaving? I don't see the logic uh, behind this. I mean, Smith-Rowe, if we do sign that creative player we've been, we've been talking about, I, it's difficult to see a place for him besides being Odegaard's competitor. And then you've got Fabio Vieira to think about as well. Yeah, I, I, we discussed it yesterday. I worry for Mo smith I know a lot of Arsenal fans are still optimistic because they've seen clips of him basically promoting their uh, next season's home shirt. But I've been hurt in the past when it comes to ex-players promoting our home shirt and leaving a few weeks later, likes of Robbie Van Persie, etc. But... Yeah, I don't know what the situation is with the most Mifro. I think he got called up yesterday to the England under-21 squad for the upcoming internationals. So he's still a fixture in that team. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just odd. I don't know what, what's happening in training. I don't know whether Mikata is asking for more from Emil Smithro. But I think he's been unfortunate with injuries as well. I think that hasn't helped his uh, case uh, because when you're injured and you're coming into a team which is... On, on fire, they're playing so well, it's difficult to come in because you've got winning formula. So it's always going to be tough in terms of that. But let's see what happens in the next next few weeks. Um, maybe if if he does have an opportunity in preseason when we fly, fly out over to uh, the States, maybe he can show Mikel Arteta that he could still play a big part next season because we're going to be in the Champions League. We're going to, we're going to have more games in cup competitions, etc. But... Yeah, the links to this left-sided midfielder, it's just worrying because then you've got Trossard who's still here in the left, left-sided left player in terms of Martinelli. Um, I don't know where he fits into the team because we don't play in, in, as a, we don't play with the number 10 anymore either. We play with three midfielders. So, yeah, Emil Smith-Rowe is difficult. But again, we have to be ruthless as well. If, if someone offers 50, 45 million, whether that's West Ham, Aston Villa... Etc. 
maybe we need to think about allowing him to leave because at the end of the day, if Mikel Arteta thinks that he's not he's not part of this club for, during his team, during his tenure, maybe we do need to sell him because there's no point keeping a player on the bench and not allowing him those minutes. Agreed. I think he's a player that is a sellable asset for Arsenal to make a lot of money from. And if he is not, if he doesn't seem to have a future Arsenal, he's not in the plans of Arteta, that then he's of no use to us. It sounds really harsh and blunt, but that is the reality of the situation. And in a football club, there is no room 99% yeah. of the time for sentimentality. Uh, you know, the 1% see your Mohamed Elneny contracts. You know, that's your sentimentality, yeah. which I don't really have an issue with because it doesn't affect yeah, us in any way, shape or yeah. form, keeping him at the club for another year while he recovers from injury. Yeah. It's the right thing to do for a player like that. But, you know, and then the rest of the 99%, Smith Rowe's included in that, unfortunately. And if Villa was to come in with £50 million for a Mill Smith Rowe, I'd find it very difficult to say no to that. Very, include, very difficult. I'd include, I'd include Fabio Vieira in, in that as well, because. Uh, I, I mean, how much would it take yeah. you to sell him? Fabio Vieira, 30, 35 million potentially. What if I offered you 20 million quid? Final offer. I'm not going to increase it. It's you, you either keep him for a season or you get 20 million quid. What are you doing? I'd keep him for a season. I'd keep okay. him for a season. I'd keep him for a season. I'm really I'm, tempted to say I'll yeah. take it. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. It's like if he has a bad season, yeah, yeah I know. Again, it doesn't I play. You. I agree. With you're you. not going to get 20 million for him next summer. That's the thing. That's that's the issue. Which I was a bit hesitant. That's why it took me a bit of time to answer. Yeah, because it is difficult. Because he's not. He did, last season was a season where it was a bit of an adjusting period. This season, he has to basically fire on all cylinders. Like if there's an opportunity, he has to show it. Because he's had opportunities last season, um, and he was not the best at times. So this season, next season, if he gets an opportunity, we can't basically be saying continually, "Oh, we need to, we need to give him a bit of time," because we're competing with a juggernaut in Manchester City. We don't have time. We're competing in a league which is fast, ferocious. Every team is one is looking to improve year on year. So if we want to be the same, ruthlessness is key. Ruthlessness is key. Absolutely. 100%. Um, yeah, we've got uh, one more link to talk about, which is in defence. There's been suggestions that Arsenal are still interested in Edmund Tapsoba by Leverkusen. We've heard links to Sasha Bowie as well, uh, Galatasaray. There were suggestions from Turkey saying that even a bid had been made. Mm. Can't confirm that myself, but uh, interesting to see. What do you make of these defensive links? Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I think um, when William Saliba got injured... Um, during the back end of last season, I'm gonna say I'm saying last season like the season's already mm. finished. <laughs> it's, it's, but during this season, uh, it was difficult. We never recovered from that injury. Uh, Takira Tomiyasu, uh, I think he's a very good player, but again, injuries hamper his progression um, week on week, and we don't really get to see the player that he truly is. So I still think we need to improve defensively. Um, this link is interesting because predominantly he's a left-sided centre-back. So maybe Mikel Arteta wants versatility across his back line. I know William Saliba, is, uh, his, his position is right centre-back, right but he can play as a left-sided centre-back as well. Um, Kibio, again, I don't know what Mikel Arteta sees in him for the future. I've been looking at that left-back position and obviously he trolled it against Nottingham Forest. Um, I'm not going to be harsh because it takes time for a player to be accustomed to a position which is new to him. But maybe he's looking at what Manchester City do.
do in terms of playing Akanji sometimes in that position. And Pep Guardiola made a good point. I think it's Pep Guardiola, but obviously when, when he was going for Champions League, etc., and that's not me being critical of the likes of Alexander Zinchenko, Cancelo, etc. I think they're very good players. But since he's replaced them, he's gone for more physicality in his fullback positions. In a way, you've got a Kanji, um, Carl Walker, very physical, John Stones, Laporte, he's played at times as well in, in fullback. So very physical fullbacks. And it's worked the trick. Like... Mikelate, I think, started this as well during the first half of the season. I think he played... Who did he play? He played Tomiyasu at left-back. He played Ben White at right-back. Was this against Liverpool, I think, in the home game? Yeah, he played Tomiyasu yeah. left-back. Um, ben White, ben White was right-back. Right back. And then yeah. Saliba and Gabriel at, at centre-half. Yeah. It's a very... It's a, I think he's probably one of the first managers to implement that. And um, very physical... Um, it, it, it worked in that game because Tomiyasu kept Mohamed Salah very quiet. And then I think in, in Manchester City played Arsenal in the first game. I think at halftime, maybe Pep Guardiola made the change in terms of um, he brought on a Kanji. In the first half, I thought Arsenal playing very well, decent. They were causing Manchester City a number of problems. At halftime, Guardiola made that switch. He brought on a Kanji. Played them at fullback. I think for Bernardo Silva. I don't know who it was for. Yeah, I can't it was Bernardo Silva left back. Bernard, yeah. Bernardo Silva. And in the second half, Manchester it wasn't a half. I don't even know if it was at half time. I think yeah, it was slightly. I think it was slightly later in the half. It was three one, wasn't it, to Man City on the day? Yeah, um, they dominated pretty, us in the second half. I'm pretty sure it was like slightly later in the second half. Let me just get the timeline yeah. up of that game. Uh, it was. That's the penalty. No penalty. Yeah. So. Substitution on the 61st minute. Mares comes off, Akanji comes on. Bernardo yeah. Silva moves forwards. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's where they just took took it's hold of the game. Control. Yeah, they were in control. Yeah. And since then, Pep Guardiola has basically continued with that. He's obviously mm. he's chopped and changed here and there in games. Obviously, at times he's brought in Rico Lewis, but for, but for majority of the games, it's physicality which he's gone for. And I think Mikrata looks at that and the links to Gwehi, um in the past we've been linked with Hinakapi as well, I think. Um, yeah, we've been linked so to him, we've been linked so, to two so others. Defenders. Yeah, loads of defenders. There's a there's a defender we've been linked from Zagreb as well. Have you seen that link? Sutulo. Um, yeah. Heard yeah. much of him? No, not really. Yeah. Uh, he's just a young player that is on the minds of every football manager player out there, basically, yeah. you know, but I don't know much about him, to be honest at all. Yeah, but it's good. It's good that we're looking to target a defender. But again, like you've just touched on, we've been linked with the right back as well. So maybe Mikel Arteta wants Ben White to come back to mm. right centre-back. You never know, but I, I think we need the defender. Maybe we need someone who's versatile, someone who can play as a right-back, someone who can play as a right-sided centre-back. Um, but we definitely need the defender because last season, uh, I'll keep saying last season again, <laughs> but we, we basically fell short due to injuries. Um, maybe if Saliba doesn't get injured, maybe we could run Manchester City close in games. Maybe we go 2-0 up against Liverpool. We don't concede those two goals with Saliba and the team. But those are if, buts and maybes. Like you, you just don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, I, I like the links to many centre backs um, that we've been linked to. Um, I still think 
we need strength in numbers. And I just look at Manchester City, they're the benchmark for me. I look at the versatility they have amongst their ranks. And I'm jealous. I'm jealous because they can change it up week in, week out. And there's not really a difference to the way they play. And I want Arsenal to be similar. So any any defender or any midfielder, striker, attacker that they're looking to sign, I'd be up for it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think that uh, when you consider the areas that, that are needed to be strengthened, I have absolutely no reason to think that the, the defence will be after the midfield and then finding that forward line. I've mentioned this stat already, but you know, Man City have scored... I think they scored three times. Before the Brighton game, they'd scored exactly three times the number of goals that they'd conceded. Hmm. And Arsenal hadn't scored double the amount of goals they've conceded this season. So that's that's where you're at. And that's why you need to get that 42 goals conceded stat down um, as well. Uh, just quickly before we met, uh, we uh, we round up, that game last night between Man City and, and Brighton, Oof. obviously Man City dropping points. Great goal from from Encisco, um, of from course. Yeah. But obviously, what I, I think is important to highlight is, you know, if City have won their games against Brighton and Brentford in the last two games, it wouldn't have mattered what Arsenal did against West Ham, Southampton. That. But the thing is, like, these two games and the Chelsea game have been dead rubbers for them anyway. Yeah, that's and what, like that's the mentality wise, I don't really want to see people going. Look, they drop points. Yeah, you no, know no, that no, means no, that we could have. You know, no, no, no. <laughs> I just wanted to bring yeah. that up. But no, no, yeah. it's it's a good it's a good point. If Arsenal were basically chasing Manchester City over the last few weeks and they were winning, 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 Manchester City wouldn't have lost the game. Mm. I'm, I'm being serious, deadly serious. Manchester City would have been Chelsea and ease three, four. They goals. did anyway with their second, they're with their second string team. <laughs> They would have yeah. gone to Brighton, they would have beaten Brighton, and they would have gone to Brentford, and they would have beaten Brentford. Manchester mm. City are on the beach. They're looking ahead to a FA Cup final against their rivals, and they're looking ahead mm. to a massive Champions League final clash against Inter Milan. So, yeah, I think it would have been nice for Arsenal to take them all the way to the final game of the season. I would have loved that because I'd have said, yeah, Arsenal have done phenomenally to take a beast like Manchester City to the final game, just as Liverpool have done. In uh, in past uh, seasons, but it hasn't happened. Manchester City are deserved winners, and but it shows the mentality. TC, they've basically been celebrating celebrating the title win against Chelsea. They've probably been drinking, partying, etc. They go to Brighton, one of the best teams in the division, one of the best footballing teams in term in this league, and they played a very good game. They played a very good game, and they weren't slacking in that game. Yeah. And that shows the mentality of this Manchester City team. And again, that they, that team is the benchmark. That team. Do you is want the them benchmark. to win the treble? Do I want them to win the treble? Mm. No, of course not. Mm. <laughs> How it comes? Kind of do. You do. What's yeah. How comes? Because Man City mean nothing to me, right? Like they're. No, they're, you know what? I, I, in terms of that, I agree. I don't want when they won the Premier League. There wasn't no uproar or nothing like that. There wasn't. It, it was no, no, no. I was looking at the views that the trophy lifted and I was thinking yeah, if Arsenal yeah. won the trophy, the views on that video would have been unbelievable. Crazy, um, and I also thought like Man United, right? The only yeah. thing Man United have when they come back against Arsenal's invincible thing is this treble thing because it's the only other unique thing that uh, an English club have done. And so I'm like, if Man City, their city rivals, mm. were able to pick up the treble, you know, 
I think it completely undermines, not undermines that achievement, but I think it, it certainly takes a bit of the gloss off that in comparison to say, you know, the gold sheen on our Premier League title in 2004. Mm. And like, it's not a unique thing anymore because another yeah. team have done it. And that's why I'm desperate for no team ever to go invincible again other than us, yeah. you know. Um, it's, yeah, so I, there's part of me that does kind of want to win the treble. Yeah. A, because I think it also verifies kind of, you know, what Arsenal were up against this season and what they did. Secondly, because it's it makes United's treble less special. Mm. Um, it also means Man United don't win the FA Cup, which I don't want them doing. Mm. And uh, whilst I would love to see, you know, Inter Milan lift the Champions League as just you know, the spectacle of it, you know, it's a win-win situation. I think if, if it's win-win if Man City have already won the FA Cup for me, you know, in terms of the Champions League fund, in terms of who wins, because there's, you know, benefits mm. in both directions. But... Uh, and also, there's part of me that goes with Pep goes, oh, well, I've won the treble. Good point. What what more can I do? You know, <laughs> that's the thing. No, but that's the thing. That's the weird. That's, I always think that every time he wins the Premier League, I think, oh, Manchester City are going to basically, the motivation is mm. going to go out the window when the season starts. He's got to go Serie A now. You know, he's got to go Serie A. He's got to go to another country now and see if he can do it there. I think so. that's the key point. I think if Pep, if Pep, whenever he leaves Manchester City, He's the reason why Manchester City are successful. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. If, if Pep, Pep goes, was in charge of Arsenal this season, we would yeah. have won the league. I'm sure of that. A, because we would have had the best coach in the world. And that's yeah. not a slight on Arteta in any way. It's facts. And B, because Man City wouldn't have had Pep Guardiola in charge. Exactly. So, yeah, that's no, that's the you difference. Make, you know, you make a good point. All right, fair enough. I'll go on board with you. The only point I had that I was a bit sceptical is because if they were to win the Champions League, it would mean that Arsenal out of the top clubs, I don't include Tottenham in that, by the way, mm. um, haven't won Mate, the they're Champions like eight. League. We don't, yeah. They're not a top club. <laughs> haven't, haven't, haven't won the Champions League, so that's why. But again, I understand what you mean. I looked at the title celebrations, etc. And you know what the funny Boy. thing is? Just, just a quick point. The match-going fans are very good of Manchester City. Mm. That, that's why I'm a bit surprised. They were great on Ted Lasso last night, I'll tell you. Was... <laughs> you, obviously, you. You went to the game when they beat us 4-1. The atmosphere must have been amazing there at the Etihad. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. it was... I mean, I'd never really, like, experienced an, uh, an atmosphere at City, yeah. you know, and, and the stigma that goes alongside it. You know, for those games, you know, the atmosphere was... You know, it was loud. You know, it was... I mean, the best ones this season have been Newcastle away yeah. and Forest away. Um, yeah, yeah. I've been the best away grounds I've been to. Everton was pretty good as well. Um, but, yeah, City, they're just a shell of a football club. Like, there's no... There's nothing. There's nothing there it's for true. me in City. Like, it's... <laughs> It, it just means nothing to me. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's like um, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like if you're playing like a seven-a-side tournament at school, mm. and a group of people that you've never spoken to ever at school go mm. and win, you know, win the tournament. Like if, with any any other teams, you got mates or you got you know rivals, and you got people that would give you a little bit of stick and stuff, you know. But it's like. It's like uh, it's like a school coming from another school coming in, you know, and and playing your seven asides, and like if they win, you're like, okay, cool, they're just better than us, you know. Mm -hmm. But if it was anyone else, I'd get stick, and I wouldn't want them to win and stuff. I don't, I have no emotion to City at all, and I think that I think Miguel Delaney's done a few good things uh, for the independent um, on on this, and I think that. Uh, there's been a few other uh, writers as well that have written some really good things about, you know, kind of the the lack of care around City winning and what it's doing to the Premier League. And, you know, because it's not like, it's not like some other teams like Brighton, like 
to a lesser extent, Villa, although I know they've had recent money come in as well, mm. who have risen. Uh, Wolves, you should suggest, you could talk about. Bournemouth, you could talk about coming up from the lower leagues. Forest, what they're doing. You know, there's more like, I, I have more respect for them. Yeah. I just don't have any respect for City. Like none at all. <laughs> so it makes it easier to, to see them win. Mm-hmm. I'm on board. I'm on board, G. There you go. Uh, lovely stuff. Thank you so much for listening, people. Really appreciate your time. Sorry that we've not been able to go to you through your questions. A lot of chatting today. Um, but do uh, leave your comments in the comment section down below. Uh, we like reading through them. And uh, yeah, uh, we will see you um, tomorrow morning uh, for the next show. And of course, for further content to come down the line. See you soon. Have a great day. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way. Oh, yeah.